All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to Real Life, a podcast from the Nation Network. I got 50, I got 50 for days. Brought to you by Finning Canada, the parts you need when you want them. We're back on another episode of the Real Life Podcast brought to you by Finning, the parts you need when you want them. Finning Canada, who also makes uh, great calendars, too. The best. It's up on the wall. It's up on the wall. Edmonton's looking so good. Jeez. Nice. Well, uh, we continue on. we got a very special Mm. guest for us as uh, we're... Getting people set for the playoffs. A lot of people uh, listening maybe have forgotten, you know, in Edmonton. Well, in Canada, no one was in the playoffs last year. Uh, Our next guest uh, was in the playoffs, went all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals into Game 7 the last time the orders were there. Brad Winchester on the show. Brad, uh, thanks for joining us, my man. How was life? Uh, Thanks for having me. Uh, All is well on my end. Where are you at now? Where are you living? I'm I'm living in Madison, Wisconsin. Back uh, back here, family, couple young kids, so all is well. How's that transition been for you uh, with the kids, with a new life, and no more regimented workouts and uh, playing? <laughs> yeah, it's gone well. I mean, certainly it takes a little bit of time to get used to, you know, not being on a on a set schedule with you know have to be at a certain place at a certain time. Um, but it's been nice. You know, at the at the tail end of your career, you're taking one-year deals and you're moving every fall and coming back every spring. And I think especially when you when you throw a couple of young kids and a family into it, it makes it difficult. So, you know, for me, I was at peace when I finished, and uh, it's been a nice exhale. You know, I, I recently went through it as well, a little bit earlier than you, but when you, when you talk about moving on, was there a, a former player or someone who offered you advice about that transition from playing to now not playing? 
Yeah, I, Madison uh, has a lot of former um, pro guys and actually current pro guys in the in the area that you know just hey, like how did you guys handle it? What were some of the obstacles? And I think everybody just said take some time and really just enjoy the family. And um, we've got a cabin up north in northern Wisconsin, kind of off the grid and. That's kind of my style is just relax and kind of unplug. And it's, it's been really nice to, to spend time with the kids and, um, you know, continue to grow as a family. Are you playing beer league? <laughs> I've been playing a little beer league. Yeah. I've got <laughs> a group of buddies and actually uh, my old man, when I, uh, I used to go out with him when I was, man, probably um, grade seven or grade eight. And, now it's come full circle, and they joke all roads lead back to the beer league. So yeah, I've been, uh, going out Saturday mornings with with the old man, and you know making plays. And I'm like, oh, this was, this must be what uh, McDavid or Crosby. Well, Winnie, I actually I do play a beer league as well, as well. And I have a policy that I don't pass the puck until I've beat one guy. I'm about 50-50. Usually I beat a guy, then I give it up the Good. next time. But it's a lot more, you're right, because we have to, when you're playing, you and I are the same. You had to make the safe play or get rid of it quick. Now you want to beat guys and, and be like the, the, the top guys in the NHL. Yeah, that's right. You know, and then you start questioning, hey, maybe I still got it. <laughs> no, I never, I never question that when you're, you're, you're on your own with that one, buddy. <laughs> Do not include me in that. I am, my last, my second last game, I had a goal and assist. We lost 13 to 2. I was minus 9. Minus 9 with two points. In men's league. In men's league against the firemen. The heat. And they turned the heat up on me. I couldn't keep it. I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. I'm out. I don't, I don't know if, I mean, was that you keeping track of your dash 9? Or did they, I yeah. mean, they've got like a like an official scorekeeper? I mean, no. you getting the super stats after the game? That, that, I keep, Winnie, I keep track of all my stats. All right, buddy, this, oh, let's just get, you don't know me that well, but I keep track of everything. So the goal and assist was great. I told my wife about that, but not the minus 9. And it was so awkward oh, that the, the guy who runs the team, he actually asked, he's like, you know what, Stratty, we, we have to get more out of you. I'm like, am I, am I, am I get cut? Like I paid to play on this team. He's like, yeah, you might get cut. It was like, yeah. it was like Kramer in that Seinfeld. He gets fired from a job he doesn't get paid for. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, you. Uh, we we collected your check and we've cashed it, but um, we're actually going to cut you now. <laughs> it was close. Not, not last, I was a lot better last game. So so all the fans of the uh, pub 1902 team are happy to know that. Oh man, uh, <laughs> minus nine in uh, minus men's nine. league. That's unbelievable. That is unbelievable. <laughs> Now, uh, nine years uh, seems like a long time, but uh, it's actually 11 since the Edmonton Oilers and their fans got to experience the playoffs. And, uh, Brad, you were a young baby-faced guy in his 20s back then. And uh, when the playoffs started, game one, uh, you were a healthy scratch in the press box. And and I was going back through. I think there was like eight guys back then that the Oilers were carrying. Uh, They they lose game one in overtime. And Craig McTavish, in his his infinite wisdom, decides, you know what? we got to inject some life in our lineup. He throws Brad Winchester in the lineup for game two. And who scores the game winner in game two? I want you to tell me about, first of all, the conversation when you found out you were going in for game two. And then he's like, oh, by the way, you're playing with Smith and Horkoff. Yeah, so I had been in Hamilton for a bit. I was I was called up, and uh, it was one of those where, hey, you're going to go down for a couple weeks, and then, Strati, you can attest to this, two weeks turned into two months. And, <laughs> and then uh, I got called up at the end of the year. You know, we snuck into playoffs. And for me, like you said, I was, I was young. I was just – I was happy to be around the guys. I mean, we had such a great group of veteran guys that, you know, 
man, we're in playoffs. This is awesome. And uh, didn't play in game one. So we lost in overtime. And I remember Craig Simpson coming out to me and saying, hey, uh, Winnie, you might play in game two. Uh, come to the rink, ready to play. And it was an afternoon game, so no pregame skate. So, I mean, I didn't think much of it, but came to the rink and was ready to go and looked on the dry erase board for my number. And, you know, it wasn't there on the third, fourth line, which I had been primarily <laughs> playing. So I was like, oh, you know, I'm not, uh, not in. That's all right. You know, and then I looked again and he's got me on the first line with uh, Ryan <laughs> and I had gone out to dinner with, with Smitty the night before. And he knew, I guess, uh, Mac T had, had run it by him. And I think it, it it's a, uh, it's a thing for any young player because I was just practicing really well. I mean, that was practices were kind of my games and I was, you know, I was working, working as hard as I could and I was scoring some goals in practice and, you know, just anything to catch the coach's eye. And so Mac T ran it by Smitty and Smitty said, yeah, let's do it. And uh, so they knew and didn't want to tell me beforehand. Um, So I uh, talked both with Smitty and Hork before the game. They said, Hey, just, if you get the puck, just, just shoot it. Don't overthink it. Just shoot the puck. So I said, well, yeah, I, I can do that. <laughs> so I'm sitting. So this is the best part is I was sitting um, in the trainer's room, just kind of hanging out after warm up and uh, just kind of chatting with Kenny Lowe and Mac T comes in to the medical room and says, Hey, Winnie, come over here for a sec. So I walk over and he says, okay, when that guy comes out of the Zamboni door and skates up to the octopus they're gonna Winnie they're gonna throw an octopus on the ice you guys are gonna start and right before he grabs that octopus I want you to skate up and scoop it and bring it back to our bench okay yep <laughs> you'll be great all right walks out of the room I was like what the <laughs> he's is he serious right now and Kenny said oh, I, I think he is yeah so put one of those medical gloves on and went out and stood on you know and I don't know if it was Mac T just maybe trying to get my mind off of something else, um, you know, nervous for the first game or whatnot. But by God, I waited for that guy to come out. And right before he got it, I scooped it and took it back to the bench. And, you know, my nerves were fine after that. <laughs> oh, I, I remember watching the video oh of that. God. And I'd, I'd forgotten all about it, but I saw a video online recently. And I think it was Steve Steos on the bench. And he looked like, you know, getting that octopus was like you had just landed a 50-pound fish. It was like the best thing ever. It was like, I don't know if it was just some mental thing. Like, yeah, we just screwed with the karma, the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it was like, let's uh, let's dampen the energy in the building and let's uh, maybe loosen the bench up a little bit and get the rookie out there to, you know, do something do something a little silly and get the, get the guys laughing and loose. And, you know, it worked. I mean, we were, we, we played fantastic that game and very tight and ended up, uh, ended up winning the series, but it was, it was one of those things where you just, you, you never, you never forget something like that. Now, Brad, that that's a great story. I love, love it. it. So now you're into the game, right? And as you mentioned, you know what? Once the game starts, you don't have time to, to worry about it. Take me through the goal in the second period. And it was late in the second period when you scored that, uh, what turned out to be the game winner. Just go through that goal. And, and you played a lot. Of, you played another decade afterwards, I think. Uh, is that the best feeling you've had scoring a goal in your career? Yeah. Yeah, no, that was that was the best because it was – you know, you're, 
you work for so long as a young player and you're trying to establish yourself and each level you go up, you're trying to gain the trust of the coaches. And, you know, for me, the organization in Edmonton and everybody involved. And I think to be put in that situation, you just, you want to play well, you want to perform. And, you know, I, uh, I think when those guys said to me, if you, if you get the puck, shoot it. And I'd been shooting it well in practice and, um, Chris Pronger pinched down the boards and kind of threw it out, uh, in the slot. And I think Smitty was going to the net and, you know, I did, I didn't try to do anything fancy. I just kind of let it rip and, um, uh, caught, caught Manny legacy going down and was kind of able to, to put it over the, you know, in between the shoulder and the glove. And, and, uh, yeah, I, I remember jumping into Jason Smith's arms <clears throat> <laughs> which he later said, well, what were you doing? I almost fell over. <laughs> but, uh, that's, that's how excited I was. And um, yeah, just, just a fantastic memory. So that's an afternoon game. You guys win. You get on the flight. Yep. Now you're coming back to Edmonton and obviously, you know, it's early. So no guys are that tired. How, how was that flight home for you? Like, were you still flying? Like when were you able to kind of calm down and focus on the next game? Yeah. At that point, you know, I think, uh, again, as a young player, like, well, I, I mean, it was a game winner, but I, I hope, I hope I did enough to, to get into game three, you know, I hope, uh, I hope I can crack the lineup and, and, uh, sure enough, the next day of practice, I was practicing with Smitty and, and Hork again, but I think it was one of those things where on the plane, it was, it was a sense of belief and, you know, I think it's a testament to the, to the veteran guys that we had in the room. It was, you know, I think Detroit had 120 something points that year, and and uh, it was like it was a belief where, hey, you know what, we lost game one in overtime, and we took game two, and now we're going back home. And uh, I think that kind of vibe of like, hey, we, we can do this. We're we're playing really well. There's there's a there's a belief in this room, and I think when when that starts to kind of infiltrate everybody, it becomes very contagious and. Uh, I just I think everybody relished in being the underdogs and hey we got nothing to lose let's just go out guns blazing and and then to to come home to uh, to the to the fans in Edmonton I mean that was again that was second to none uh, of something that I've uh, I've never experienced uh, fans like that in the playoffs. Yeah, well let's talk about that a little bit. I mean Paul Lorio. I, I, you know, rest in peace. I love Paul Lorio. He's, he, I remember going to those games as a child. Greg's, you were there when you know what it's like when he would sing. What was it like that first home game when he starts singing? And he, the energy is different, I believe, from the regular season to the playoffs. And, and did you guys know that, oh, my God, our fans are fired up for this uh, run and what would turn to be a great run? Yeah, I don't think anybody could have really predicted it. I think they had, like, these uh... – Silver, like yeah. little pom pom things. Mm-hmm. Is that am I re- remembering yeah. that yeah, right? That's right. Yeah, everybody was whipping them, and it was so loud. And starting, like you said, from the anthem, where I mean, it was, it was goosebumps on goosebumps, and it was just like, hey, you know what? We we have belief in our room, but now this now this fan support. Let's let's just go here, and uh, you know, it was. It was the momentum, I think, of that Detroit series where, you know, we we, we had a lot of deadline acquisitions and just you could tell the chemistry was just starting to, to come into play and everybody was just kind of 
knew their roles and 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 all those things. And, and Rollison was playing. I mean, he was playing lights out. And you know how it is. Anytime you can get that confidence from your goaltender, it's you know. And they were Detroit was stacked, and it was like you know I don't think Rollison's going to let in anything tonight. <laughs> he was he was so, pretty good that entire playoff for sure. Yeah, yeah. So you put all those elements together and. It uh, it did. It created momentum and it created something special. Brad Winchester joins us in the Real Life Podcast. Gregor and Strudwick. Now, Brad, uh, you know that story. What happened in Game Five? Did you have the glove on again, and did they throw the octopus in a different area, or was was that just a one time thing? <laughs> no, I think it was a one time thing. I think we were by Game Five. We were uh, we we were a confident group. I mean, that was that was a, a dogfight of a series. But yeah, it was just. It was just those one thing. So I, I mean, I've, I gotta. If I run into Mac T again, I'll have to ask if that was for me or for the team. But, <laughs> uh, we, it was just it was just the one time with the octopus. So you know, I, I, I would think everyone would would have thought that uh, Detroit was going to come through and, and and beat you guys in that series. Was there a point in time where you're playing that series where you look across and you see a different look? In the Red Wings' eyes, uh, you know, they knew that. Oh my God, this isn't going to go the way we planned. Yeah, I think so. I mean, they had a they had a veteran heavy team too, and um, you know, I, I just think as the series went on and we were we were starting to get some breaks, and I remember uh, I think it was it was Hemsky's Hemsky's goal again. Hemsky and Samsonov got this, you know, light bulb chemistry that happened in that series, and. And uh, you could just kind of tell, I think it was, you know, and I played with Manny Legacy in St. Louis afterwards, and you could, I talked to him about it a little bit, but yeah, you could kind of tell on his face and then, you know, kind of when the goalie starts getting a little rattled and then some, maybe some of the veteran guys. Yeah, there was, I think, some points later in that series, games, you know, five, six, that it was like, okay, you know, this is this is the real deal. This team's This team's coming. Now, you win game six in Edmonton to take the series. Hemsky scores two goals in two minutes in the last five minutes of the third period. I think a lot of people forget that. Everyone remembers his game-winning goal, but then remember he tied the game two minutes earlier. And now, you know, you're a young guy when it's pandemonium, and the whole team went out to Hudson's on White Avenue afterwards. <laughs> Can you talk about that scene for you? Yeah, I, you know what? That's that's kind of the group we had. I mean, it, it was, um, and I look back at my time in Edmonton, maybe as a whole. I mean, it was the Jason Smiths and the Ethan Morrows and Ryan Smiths. Um, but then you throw in like Rollison and Pronger and Pekka and and these guys that maybe didn't spend as much time in Edmonton, but guys that all kind of had that goal of, you know, we we want to win a cup and. I think it was it was such a cool vibe because obviously those guys that had been in Edmonton had gone through some some growing pains in the past, and then to have those the the newer blood in there and it's to to knock off the number one team in the league. It was like, hey, if we can if we can knock this team off, we can beat anybody. So, what's the message between those two series from your head coach Craig McTavish? Man, I'm trying to think back uh, again. I think it was a lot of what I just said about like, you know, you guys just beat the number one team in the league. Um, we're playing well. And again, just, just, I think Rollison's play was just such a, 
such a confidence booster for everybody because in playoffs, every, every little bounce, every little, you know, every little play, every penalty kill, every power play is so magnified. And when you know that if something maybe goes wrong that you're going to have, you know, that he's going to make that save. I think it just breathes such a, such a sense of confidence in the group and in the team. Um, and going into San Jose again, high powered, high powered team. Um, a lot of confidence, a lot of t- confidence going in around two. You get down to nothing in that series, but then uh, you win game three and end up uh, winning the next four. I want to. Can you think back? Obviously, the you know the octopus story is fantastic. <laughs> Was there a guy throughout that playoff run, Brad? It is the playoffs, but it's still hockey, and guys are supposed to have fun. Who are the jokesters? Who are the lighthearted guys behind the scenes that kept you guys light, whether it was pranks on the road or just, you know, a, 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 a witty line at the right time in the room? Who are the guys that found ways to yeah. keep it light so guys weren't getting wound too tight? Uh, I think it was a, I think we had a good mix of the younger guys. So Matt Green um, was, was always good for some quick wit and, uh, Rafi Torres, same thing, quick wit. But then you got you had the guys when you get Ethan Morrow and Steve Stales. I mean, literally, I would try to at at uh, pregame meal. I would try to make sure that I sat at their table because they would be sitting next to each other and they would just be hamming it up. And I would have tears in my eyes from laughing so hard with these two guys. Um, and they kept everybody light. And then. You kind of you had the someone with the with the presence of a Chris Pronger, where you know he he was just one of those guys that no no filter, just said what he was thinking, and it was take it or leave it, and it was it was hilarious. I found it hilarious. It was you know, hey, we need this over here. Can we we, we need this right now? Why isn't this here? You know, <laughs> kind, of, kind of thing. You know, <laughs> like and that was that was. That was prongs. He was just on a different level, and uh, so again, I think we had the youthful energy. I think we had the the veterans and the right mix, and you you, I think teams and GMs and and owners and everybody at at the deadline. It's like you know what what should we give up to either try to build or build on our chemistry in the room, or you know is it worth sacrificing a first or second round pick to to add this and you know, there's only one team that wins it. So it's, it's, it's a risk, but when you can get that right dynamic of, I mean, I, I'm trying to think back at the deadline. It was, it was spot, uh, spot who was huge. Uh, Dickie Tarnstrom, Samsonov, obviously Rollison. Um, forgive me if I'm, if I'm forgetting anybody off the top of my head, but you know, I mean, you, you, you throw in four or five players into the, into, uh, into the locker room. It's, it's, I mean, that's a, that's a quarter of your room right there. So it's, uh, it's interesting. Brad Winchester joins us in the real life podcast. Brad, we're just going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll come back. We've got lots more on the cup. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, your career in St. Louis and San Jose and Anaheim and more as you're listening to the real life podcast brought to you by Finning Canada, all the parts you need in one place. Finning. It's late. And you just finished a full day of work. Your equipment is done for the day and tomorrow bright and early you start all over again. You know what you need to keep it running smoothly, but there's not a break in the schedule to make that happen. 
With over 1.4 million cat pots at your fingertips on parts.cat.com, getting that pot just became easier. Any device, anytime, anywhere. Get what you need, when you need it. Order today, parts.cat.com. We are back. Real Life Podcast. Gregor Strudwick, special guest today, Brad freaking Winchester, uh, one of the biggest goals in order history, one of the greatest stories we heard about the uh, octopus is a real life podcast brought to you by fitting the right parts for your equipment. And uh, Brad, for you, you know, you played and a lot of people I think forget because for so long it was always Hemsky, Smith and Horkoff as a trio. But in the first two rounds of the playoffs, you played exclusively on that line. Um, do you remember the time when uh, when Smitty took the shot in the face from Pronger? He's, he's against San Jose. He's leaking chicklets all over the place. He's, and, and Pronger, and I remember asking Smith about it, like Pronger, and I remember some fans at the time were like, geez, he didn't even say sorry. He didn't even go over and check on Smith. <laughs> and it was because he was kind of so focused in the game he didn't want to. Do you remember that? And thinking, wow. And then Smitty comes back after breaking the usherette's arm, by the way, yeah. by slamming her in the door when he didn't know she was there. And then he comes back and contributes to the OT winner. Yeah, I mean that's that's Ryan Smith in a nutshell. I mean he was he was he was a warrior, and you talk about one of the guys that you know just believed and bled uh, bled the Edmonton Oilers, and he certainly was going to let a, a a puck to the face um, keep him out of anything in the playoffs. So yeah, I think it was only fitting that he was a, a part of that OT winner. All right, let's talk about after the wins. You know, most teams have a psalm or some kind of uh, a ritual they go through in the dressing room. Did your group have a song or a ritual after every win you had in the playoffs to kind of just to oh, make it special? Great, yeah, that's a great question. I'm trying to think. Uh, I can't. I can't think. Of, I can't think of anything off the top off the top of my head. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. No. You guys are just happy and just go back to the room and all business, huh? Yeah. Well, it was probably me as a young guy being like sitting in my stall being like, oh my God, oh, exhale, tune everything out and just like, you know, oh my God, I made it through another game. <laughs> now, being a young guy at that time, and you talked about just the enthusiasm in Edmonton, right? You all of a sudden, and obviously you're not going out a lot, but you still go for coffee, you're going for groceries. Like, did all of a sudden everywhere Brad Winchester go, people know who you were? Yeah, I mean that was that was a little that was a little weird. I think um, you know here I was I was just a a young a young kid that you know was just trying to earn a spot on the team and be a part of the group and then you know contributing however however I could at the time and you know you're walking walking down the aisle at the grocery store and a you know seventy five year old grandma comes up to you and says hey you know been playing well, uh, <laughs> in the corners and, uh, you know, take the puck to the net and yeah, wish you guys the best. And it's like, what, what's that? Um, but yeah, going out to eat in Edmonton or, you know, going out and maybe having a beer or two just to, to unwind between series. Yeah. It was, it was a cool, it was a cool vibe, especially something about, I think springtime in Edmonton. I mean, I, I'm from Wisconsin, so I know what it's like when the when the when the cold starts to melt and there's like this rejuvenation in the in the city, and you know it's warm. And it, especially in Edmonton, you're sitting, you know, you're sitting on a patio and on White Ave, and you're still playing hockey, and you're hanging out with your buddies, and 
that's that's a, that that was a cool thing. Did you ever get to experience firsthand shirts off for Horkoff? <laughs> I did. Yeah, the shirts off for Horkoff. I'm trying to. I've I've heard of it, but I'm trying to. So long ago. I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember back. Fill me in on the shirts off for Horkoff. Well, that was just basically one of the chants that they would encourage girls to be shirts off for Horkoff. <laughs> Fans will do anything to get in the game or uh, or feel like they're in the game off the ice. If you know what I'm saying. <laughs> It's how about, uh, yeah. How about that? Uh, the celebration of that overtime winner, though, where he's down, he's down uh, on his knees and just—I mean, such a exhale, such a relief. What a huge goal! Yeah, well, that was against San Jose. You guys were down two nothing in the series, and uh, if you didn't win that game, it might have been over. And there, there was a lot of those moments uh, in that uh, whole playoffs, Brad. Can, now, in, I know in, in the Stanley Cup Finals, uh, you weren't playing. But uh, you're, obviously, you're, you feel just as part of the team at that point, right? And guys kind of – everybody checks their egos. Everybody wants to play, but you're probably not as disappointed then as maybe you would be in, in the middle of the regular season because you, you want to be an upbeat guy. Do you remember watching Game 7 and how much maybe more stressful that was compared to you playing, you know, in, in Game 6s of other series? Yeah, no, way more stressful watching. And you're right. It's a it's a complete. Uh, everybody is completely egoless. Um, I I do remember having a chat with Mac T, and I just said, "Hey, I get it. I get that you're going with the veteran guys moving forward here in the final. I'm I am ready if you need me." And it was and I and I truly meant it. Like if if you need me, I'm I'm ready to go. And I think I think it was Igor Ulanov who. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't remember if he played at all during uh, the playoffs, but he was. He was like the off ice captain, and you talk about everybody kind of having a part. I mean, for the guys that weren't playing, we. He was in charge of everything. He was in charge of okay, this is where we're going to eat. This is where we're going to meet. This is what we're going to do, and it was. Uh, it was a really cool thing, and I think that was uh, certainly a lesson that I took with me as a young guy throughout my career of knowing, knowing the benefit of, of being an ultimate team guy where, you know what, I may not be in the lineup tonight, but there's certain things that I can do for the guys in that room and, and feel like I'm a part of it and, and support it and, and be there every step of the way. So yeah, game seven, I remember uh, none of us, watched it from up above we were all down in the locker room and uh just kind of pacing and on pins and needles and tough tough to watch <laughs> well you, know, you touch on a little bit about staying ready you know it's 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 it's, it's an incredible story for Ulanov to take the, the lower the, the the role of kind of the off-ice captain uh, but there's really no practicing in, in the playoffs right there's no formal team practice so for the guys are maybe in and out of the lineup for the guys are staying ready in case Unfortunately, there is an injury. You know, what does that look like for you, group of guys? Are there's there's separate practices? Maybe fill in the listeners what that looks like for you. Yeah, I think um, we had a we had a tight group with a few extras, and then you know we would stay over and kind of. You're right. As as you start to move on in the playoffs, the practices um, are very limited in terms of intensity, and most of it is just hey, if you need to get out there and skate, go out there and get you know, get your legs loose or whatever. But the formality of the practices started to, you know, dwindle the, the further we got along. But yeah, I just think it, 
you know, maybe it was me being naive as a younger guy or whatnot, but everything was so new and so fun. And yeah, did I want to be in the lineup? Absolutely. Did I want to play, you know, in those games? Um, but at the same time, still feel like I had a value add, um, regardless if I was in the lineup or not. And I think a lot of that had to do with our veteran guys. And I mentioned Igor Ulanov as, as being one of those guys that kind of took everybody under his wing, but also the guys in the room that were playing, you know, I mean, it wasn't, it was, it was an all inclusive thing. It wasn't okay. These 21 guys or 22 guys that are dressing our team. It was, Hey, this is our group. This is our staff. This is our, you know, everybody, everybody that on that plane was, was a part of the team. And I think that, uh, that made it very special. Brad Winchester with us in the real life podcast. Now, Brad, uh, when you look at it from personal standpoint, your years in St. Louis were definitely uh, your most productive as an NHL player, but uh, you never had a lengthy playoff run uh, similar to Edmonton with Anaheim or San Jose or St. Louis, but you had some more individual success, at least in the, uh, the regular season. You look back now in your career, and it's kind of funny that your last pro playoff game was with the Orders American League team when you won a playoff series. You guys went 10 games that year in the postseason. Was that kind of fitting for you that you know your career ended in the place where it began with, with arguably your best playoff run ever? Yeah, you're right. It was, and I guess nobody's really asked me that before, but yeah, it was kind of bookended with the start and the end with, with Edmonton's organization. And certainly I was, I was on the other end of the spectrum of being one of the veteran guys and, and um, watching some of the younger kids develop and, and trying to help any way I could, but yeah, different level, but you know, that intensity. And I think again, um, you guys can attest to this, the, the, the selfless, the selflessness that goes into it. Um, and I think primarily because I think over the course of my career, I was kind of that role player, third, fourth line guy. Um, but I just really, really relished in, in the whole, like, Hey, it doesn't matter who you are, what you're doing. We're going to do anything to win this game. And, when everybody checks their ego at the door and you have, you know, all those 20, 22 guys doing that, um, it doesn't matter what level you're at. It's, it's a fun thing to be a part of. You know, when you keep talking about that selflessness, what it looks like to have good chemistry in a room, you know, it, it's, it's, it's kind of easy to talk about it and, and easy to know when you're in it, but you also know when you don't have it. You know, at, when you get to a team or you see a team, can you recreate or can you change that, that into that selflessness overnight? Does it take time? Is it only winning cures that? How do you get to that level where a team is just, you just want to win? You don't care who scores a goal, who's playing, or uh, things you've already told us about that run at the Oilers in 06. Yeah, I think it's a lot of different factors. I mean, it, it certainly starts from from your top guys. You know, if your top guys are doing things the right way and playing the game the right way, and I think that probably in 06 helped us a lot because if you look at the guys, I, I mean, you look at Horkoff and Smith and Pronger and Pekka and Stoll and Tor. I mean, all these guys play the game the right way I mean, these guys were not only on the power play, but they were on the penalty kill too. I mean, Sean Horkoff is diving in front of pucks with his face in the Detroit series, and then he's scoring the triple overtime game winner. It's like, hey, that's your number one center. 
he's playing the game the right way. He's demanding of it. And, you know, there's, uh, I, I feel like there's a lot to be said with your, with the trickle down effect from your top guys. Now you need, you need your bottom guys to, to buy in, to be selfless. But I think starting at the top and then you, you kind of get your role players to buy in as well, knowing their role. And then everybody in between just kind of just finds that chemistry and buys in and, you you could have something good, Brad. You know, you look back on your career and you played with a, with a lot of different organizations. Do you are you you know obviously you're proud of your career. Do, do you find that you lean towards one of those organizations more when you watch hockey now? Are you a Duck fan, a Blues fan because you're from Wisconsin? Um, you know, yeah. Oiler fan, or does it? Or are you kind of a fan of all the organizations? How how do you look at it when playoff time comes? Yeah, I think, you know, there's some organizations that I probably have more an affinity to towards than others. Um, certainly Edmonton. I mean, I love to see the, the Oilers doing well. Um, certainly the, the, the city of Edmonton and the fans and the people just so passionate and they deserve a winner. Uh, they deserve success. And I just know not only for the city of Edmonton, but for Alberta and for Canada as a whole. I mean, to, to have the Edmonton Oilers iconic team, iconic name to, to be back in, in the win column and having success, certainly pulling for them. Um, you know, you mentioned St. Louis uh, amongst some other places, but I think, you know, the way it is now and uh, Strutty, I mean, same, you can attest to this too, is you, you just want to see your buddies do well. You know, the guys that, that, that uh, you're close with and that you stay in touch with, you want them to do well. You want them to be a part of good situations and good teams. And like Tom Gilbert's a buddy of mine and he's kind of at the twilight of his career. And, you know, he, he gets traded to Washington and, you know, he got, uh, he's in Hershey now, or, you know, he's there as kind of a, as a backup, but it's just like, Hey man, I'm I'm happy for you. Hopefully you're going to get a chance. They acquired you for a reason go, go with a cup, you know, that, that kind of thing of, uh, you know, hopefully your buddies can, can have an opportunity to win it. And I think that's, uh, that's kind of more where I, where I lean now. Yeah. Tom Gilbert, I got to play with him for three years as well. Awesome guy. But, you know, I think that we almost have have an intervention with him. I mean, he is balding at an alarming rate. It's like springtime for him, and the snow is melting off the top of his head. So do you want to maybe we'll get him on a conference call and tell him, hey, man, it's time to shave it. The long hair is not in it anymore, bud. Yeah, the long hair, he's, uh, you know, uh, maybe he was in, a, in L.A. He was uh, trying to tap into the surfer thing or what. <laughs> like, hey, you know what, you're uh, you're a dad now, and, you know, give up on those surfer dreams and uh, – yeah, maybe time to trim it up. <laughs> Brad, do you have a chance to watch any orders? And uh, what's your thoughts on McDavid? Yeah, I mean, one thing that I I'll I'll watch um, bits and pieces of games, um, but I do enjoy going. I go to the NHL app, and I you know I'll watch highlights and and stuff from the night before. But I mean, the McDavid, his his speed and his acceleration and his skill is. I mean, it, it's something that that uh, you just you just don't see. I mean, I think uh, you know the, the stuff with the, that he does, picking pucks out of the skates, and I mean, the goal that he had was it last night in, Ana- in Anaheim where he catches it in stride and then just kind of slips it with his backhand, you know, on the ice. It, it's just like, come on, like this this guy's at a different level, and you have guys that 
you know, I would like to think that Pat Maroon and you've got Lucic and you've got some bigger bodies um, combined with the skills they have up front and they're getting great goaltending. And um, yeah, I think, I think they're the real deal. So basically, you're kind of the McDavid, though, of your Saturday men's league, right? Uh, I'm exactly. I might be a McDavid-Crosby hybrid. Oh, nice. Whatever that is. Well, if you're if you're a beer league team, everyone's taking our beer league team. We'll meet in the middle somewhere. We'll meet in, like, uh, Manitoba somewhere and have a match, a grudge match. Yeah, yeah that's right, a grudge match. Yeah, all right, I like it. Brad, uh, great catching up with you. Thanks for uh, taking some time. Uh, Oiler fans are just, uh, they're happy to hear playoff stories because uh, many of them have forgotten what it's like as they get ramped up to go to the postseason for the first time in 11 years. And I know you're a big fan of hockey. You'll be watching all the playoffs. And, uh, man, there's so many great races from individual races, scoring races to division winners. It's going to be awesome. Uh, great catching up with you. I uh, hope fatherhood is treating you well uh, with your family and, you, and your two young kids. And it was great catching up with you. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Again, City of Edmonton, very, very happy for everybody, and and uh, go Oilers. Brad Winchester. Druds, great stuff. We'll talk to you next week. He's the best. See you later, buddy. That's a Real Life Podcast yeah. brought to you by Finning, all the parts you need in one place. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.